0: ESPN Radio. He is Harry Douglas. I am Chris Canney, and this is ESPN Radio. We're also on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Did you know that you can listen to our show commercial-free? That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. Uh, Curtis in North Carolina, Ernest in Brooklyn, we see you guys on the call-in line. We're going to get with y'all in a minute, but right now, Harry, we got to go out to the candy call-in line to bring on ESPN Major League Baseball analyst Doug Glanville. And, Doug, we just heard from Rob Manford. We're anticipating hearing from the MLB Players Association within the hour. But I got to ask you this. Who's the most to blame for this stalemate between the players and owners when it comes to the CBA negotiation?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, that's these negotiations. It's it's history. You can blame history. (laughs) They've always had uh, this type of dynamic. I was a player for a long time and worked in the Players Association. And, you know, you have trust issues that sometimes compound what our – you know, complicated economic issues that keep changing over time. Coming out of a pandemic, or at least the tail end, you're still facing a lot of realities that there was a lot of economic damage done last year. And, you know, the system is something that the, the, certainly the owners want to maintain when it comes to the pie. They just want to figure out other ways to allocate it, different ways to allocate it. So, you know, you have some of the same issues. It doesn't seem like on paper they're far apart, but there's certainly a, a firmness to to the owner side that they want to stay put on certain issues and players I'm sure are exasperated and, and going to have to regroup.
2: Doug, how much will major league baseball suffer from this and how long will that suffering last?
1: Well, it's it certainly whatever goodwill was where, you know, starting off with these negotiations from the standpoint of the sort of fan perception, you know, it's, it's definitely going to take a hit and, you know, the more time that they dig and certainly the communication between now and, and what would have been opening day, it's going to also matter. But there's going to be a lot of frustration, especially on the player side from believing that, they, you know, we waited to this long, about a week before this deadline to really get serious about meeting consistently. And, you know, certainly these 16 hour marathons. And now the question then, is easy to ask, like, well, why wouldn't you do this from the beginning? So, you know, the game, is, this negotiation is often a game of pressure. And when they go back and forth, as you reach deadlines, even if they're artificial, you start to see what really matters to each side. And so all the stuff that's kind of secondary or saber rattling drops off. And now you're actually confronted with what are the issues. And clearly, competitive balance tax is a big one. And, and part of the reason that is a big issue is it serves the closest that the owners can get to as, as a cap. You know, baseball, it's an existential threat to talk about having caps in baseball. That's how the union was built. However, there's other ways and fancier ways to kind of create a drag on owners spending more money. And the taxes served as that. That's why they want to stay flat on this tax rate, not the rate, but the actual threshold for, um, for a certain period of time. At first, I think, four years was in the proposal. So, so you have that challenge, and they seem to be unwavering about it. It seems like they want to keep the pie the same and let the players decide how they want to allocate it. And it's going to take major sort of labor strife to move that pie. And I don't know. We'll find out if the players are willing to go there.
0: We're talking to ESPN MLB analyst Doug Glanville on ESPN Radio. And, Doug, you talked about it the competitive balance tax. There have been a myriad of different issues that have been brought up, and you talked about how complex these economic issues are. We've heard about uh, pre-arbitration bonus pool money. We've heard about international bonus pool money for players. We've heard about a draft lottery. We've heard about playoff expansion. From your perspective, because you are a former player, what should be the issue that players fight for the most throughout this CBA negotiation?
1: Well, there's no question if you're consistent with the history, it is battling some of these thresholds around the competitive balance, because Mm. what that does is that that's what can act the most like a cap. I mean, if you have a threshold of whatever, 230 million or 220 million, but you have a hundred percent tax rate, you might as well have a cap, right? You're discouraging so much from from teams deciding to spend more, so that is you know that would be consistent in what has been the sticking point. Now, what is the challenge to this time versus sort of when I was part of the '94-'95 strike or 02 as we got close to that? You know, one of the issues they face now that's a little different is that you're introducing new systems, just like the competitive balance was sort of new in my generation. So when you bring in new systems like pools and drafts, you know, it starts to – Build something that creates a bigger challenge in terms of the tensions around because it's trying to figure out how this impact will be because it's a new system. So you rely and lean in on some of the things that have been traditional, and that's where the owners clearly are pretty firm about. So, you know, we'll find out. Time is always the pressure point, and as you're a free agent going into this year, you're going to feel the arbitration of all the things when you have that floodgate of what's going to happen when they finally come to an agreement, that's where the stress hits because a lot of players are going to be competing from the same spots all at the same time. So they're going to have to weigh all of this and regroup because, you know, the pressure is just starting.
2: Doug, do you feel like the owners love the game the way
1: they did back when you were playing? Well, it's different. It's It's a different set, just the way the owners... Uh, There's some that have certainly you know, stood the test of time, but you have a whole lot of data intervention that's different than my time. The, the way they assess value is different. Uh, the amount of resources, from the standpoint of what these these businesses are worth, these teams are worth, also just sort of the economic models. A lot of that has been shifted by just the ability to assess players and value in a way that's unprecedented compared to certainly my era. So, they understand that over this sort of, quote, labor piece, they've had some gains, you know, it's kind of a shrinking middle class for the players. You've had, uh, you know, the pie has sort of shifted, uh, you know, favor to the owners, and they want to kind of keep it that way because they know that they're not going to really ever get a hard and fast cap, so they have to find other other methods. So I think they look at the business model differently. I mean, you make the money mostly in the sale, and, and, and things aren't necessarily – on the direct books that are part of this uh, threshold, but they uh, they're certainly re- regrouping around the fact that they have so much more information today, and and that that makes a big difference about value, and they feel very confident where they valued this this game in this league.
0: Talking with ESPN MLB analyst Doug Glanville on ESPN Radio, and Doug Rob Manford brought up a couple of concerns when it comes to the game that the players and the owners discussed the implementation of a pitch clock in eliminating the shift in efforts to improve the entertainment value of the sport. In your opinion, because you were a former player, do you think that baseball should be trying to move in that direction?
1: Well, they should, they should be responsive to to the fans and pay attention to, you know, certain elements that, that are consistently raised and created challenges, mostly the tempo of the game. I know that's a big aspect, whether it's pitch clock and, and I think when you're dealing, when you're putting things like that on the negotiating table, you're creating a sort of another avenue or potential for tension. Whether it's, you know, the, the economic system is one, there's also what we call quality of life issues, right? Travel, scheduling, things like that. Are you playing in Japan to start the season? You know, you have these questions. And then you have these elements about you know, where their game is trying to go. And there's a lot of discussions about uh, they've created a you know, CEO Epstein, they've created these these commissions to try to figure out. To improve the game the the risk for the players is if you start to overlap all these issues and the owners are looking at it through much more of an economic lens then it could become an entertaining point that you don't want to include and trade with for example like okay I will lower the the tax rate oh if you give me the Dh they, they don't necessarily align with being on balance and that's what the players have to be mindful of, of getting in the weeds of what are you actually trading? Is it actually an ace for an ace or is it ace for, you know, two of spades or something? And, and that's where you're, you know, the, the players are mindful and speaking very openly about tanking and things that are quality of, of life or, or the caliber of the game, but are is there value behind that? And, and that's the struggle. And the owners have made sure that it's been, there's value assessments through these, through these points that, they can trade off of. And sometimes that actually sort of muddies the water. And and that's where they're running into challenges on all these tiers of negotiating themes that the, the owners are very much looking at the pool and the pie.
0: Well, Doug, we appreciate a few moments of your time as a lifelong baseball fan. I got to say, I'm disappointed that they're canceling the opening day that was scheduled at the end of March. But hopefully they get this thing resolved soon. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon about Major League Baseball having a new collective bargaining agreement.
1: I hear you. Uh, Let's hope for it.
0: All right. That's ESPN MLB analyst Doug Glanville on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, should the Cardinals entertain trade offers for Kyler Murray? We'll get into it. Harry Douglas, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. GJ and Max.
3: Good morning. I listen to you
0: guys every single morning. Covering the biggest stories with the best guests and plenty of opinions. I love listening to you guys. I love the matter I love the conversation. This is life every single morning. Keyshawn J will and Max starting at six Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Two. ESPN Radio. It's players only here on ESPN radio and E plus it's Harry Douglas and Chris Canny. We are presented by progressive insurance, small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive has you covered more at progressivecommercial.com Now we threw out the question, should the Cardinals even entertain trading Kyler Murray and Harry, we want to encourage people to hit us up on the candy call in line, but also on Twitter, at ChrisCandy99 and at HDouglas83. And we got to give a shout-out to Big Sneaky on Twitter because he asked the question, should Kyler Murray get traded to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson? In that scenario, who says no, the Texans or the Cardinals? Interesting question. Not sure I got the answer for Big Sneaky on this one. But I do (laughs) want to go out to the candy calling line and bring on Curtis in North Carolina. Curtis, you're on ESPN Radio. He was what's poppin' HD? What's good? Big salute to y'all, that's man. Good. I'm loving the show. Appreciate, Appreciate you, man. What you got for us? Hey, man, hold on. I thought I had heard something a minute ago, man. We we comparing Colin Murray to Carson Wentz now? What we doing? That That's on HD. That's not <laughs> on me.
2: <laughs> no, no, listen, listen, listen. I was talking about from the standpoint of mindset, right, not being the leader that – He's supposed to be within an organization, being a top pick uh, in the National Football League in the draft. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I meant by that. But Carson Wentz, let's do say this, has a Super Bowl ring. Granted, it was at the hands of Nick Foles when he got hurt, and he was playing at an MVP caliber level all the way up until he got hurt. Kyler Murray was playing at an MVP level for some of the season, and then it dropped off.
0: You That's give, true. You gotta give Kyler a little bit
4: more uh, uh leeway than that. He's only played three seasons. His quarterback rating has gotten better every year. He's thrown at least thirty seven hundred yards every season. And we gotta remember twenty-one, he was hurt at least six games.
2: But yeah, here's I, my, here's Cur- here, Curtis, here's my... I'm with
0: you on that one. I, I think that has to be taken into consideration and we appreciate the call. Harry, I know you got a rebuttal for Curtis, so I'm waiting to hear it right now because Curtis made some pretty good points right there. Yeah,
2: but but see, here's my issue. Did the team get better at the end of the season?
0: Were no, they better offensively? No, they fell off.
2: Okay, so the argument is negated. They didn't get better at the end of the season, and then they crapped the bed when it came to the playoffs, and Kyler Murray didn't have a good playoff game as well. So I understand all those things, but if a guy like Ka- Kyler Murray and his ta- talents are there, I expect them to a- a- ascend late in the season. I don't I don't I don't I don't want to see decreases. I don't want to see them get worse. And let's let's remember now the only team that they did beat late was the Dallas Cowboys who we were questioning if they were a great team.
0: Yeah, and That I was wonder, the only win. I, and Harry, here's the thing. I wonder how much of the lack of production from that Cardinals offense had to do with predictable schemes from Cliff Kingsbury uh as opposed to a a fall off or drop off in play from Kyler Murray because you mentioned it earlier in the show that offense really didn't change a lot from the first half to the second half. And we know football is a game, a matchup and adjust. And so when it comes to the overall schemes, maybe that's why Kyler Murray had an issue with the team in the way that the playoffs ended for the Arizona Cardinals this season, because that was something that we heard grumblings about, in the aftermath of the Cardinals taking that L at the hands of the L.A. Rams. So I'm curious to know whether or not that's a factor in all of this. But also, I go back to what Diana Rossini said about the job security of Cliff Kingsbury. She said that there seem to be some folks in NFL circles that think Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat. If that's the case then Kyler Murray wanting a commitment from the franchise makes even more sense to me this offseason. Because if you think that your head coach who runs a scheme that you've been running since you've been in middle school could potentially get fired, the (laughs) unknown, the uncertainty on the other side of that and who they could potentially bring in is enough for me to worry about what my production could look like beyond 2022 to the point where I want the organization to make a firm commitment to me. Because we do know this, Harry – If they sign up Kyler Murray to a contract extension to the tune of $40 million on average annual value, guess who's going to have some say in what the offense looks like and who that next head coach would be? Kyler Murray. Murray. And so I think that could potentially be behind the urgency that Kyler Murray and his camp is approaching this offseason with with getting a deal done.
2: Yeah, and let me say this because I just want to make sure I'm clear. It's nowhere in the hell I'm taking Carson Wentz over Kyler Murray when it comes to the quarterback position. I got to make sure that's clear because I don't want nobody to say, well, Harry say he'll take Carson Wentz over Kyler Murray. Hell to the no. That is not what I'm saying. I was just saying in in an in instance of those quarterbacks getting paid before their fourth year getting paid early the things that Carson Wentz had, had accomplished, he had a Super Bowl ring. Granted, Nick Foles helped him out get it, but he was playing at a high level when he got hurt. That's what I was trying to say.
0: All right, Ky- all right. so, HD, let's play the game here right now. Diana yep. Rossini seems to think if this thing continues to devolve, if it gets even uglier in Arizona, that Kyler Murray's camp could put out a trade demand. If you're looking at the landscape of the National Football League, what's the landing spot for Kyler Murray if, in fact, the Cardinals do consider trading their franchise quarterback?
2: Okay, I, I'll think about a team that's right here in the NFC South, a team that's had problems, the Carolina Panthers. Mm. That, that's, that's a team that I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing him going to. Uh, the Denver Broncos, if they can't get a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, that's another team. The Washington football team, right now they're slotted at number 11 in the draft to pick a quarterback, but if you can make a trade for a guy like Kyler Murray, that would be re- remarkable. Then you're in the division with Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts as well. Um, Daniel Jones, you got to step it up a little bit. I know you're Giants. And then you look at the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the last team I have, uh, I'll say the last two teams, the Colts and the Dolphins, because I'm not sure the Dolphins are really, really sold on Tua Tonga Valoa. And I say the Dolphins because Mike McDaniel – was in the same conference with Kyler Murray. Yeah. And he's seen Kyler Murray give those teams in that in that conference in the NFC West fits. So I know he wouldn't mind adding a guy like a Kyler Murray to his run game, which is his
0: M.O. No, and, and you know what? You're absolutely right with that one, Harry. I, I think the Miami Dolphins is really interesting for a lot of different reasons, especially with Mike McDaniel having that familiarity with Kyler Murray, but also with the draft capital that Miami has, the cap space that they have, they've got more than anybody else in the National Football League. And then also knowing that Kyler Murray in the style of play is conducive to what Mike McDaniel wants to do with that mm-hmm. run game. So I think there are a lot of different facets to that potential decision that would make it a boon for the Miami Dolphins and and, fee- and feasible for the Arizona Cardinals. Because let's consider this, the Cardinals, if they are going to trade Kyler Murray, they want him nowhere near their team. So trading him out of the conference into the AFC East makes a lot more sense than trading him to the Washington, well, well, Washington Commanders or any other (laughs) other quarterback star of teams, the Carolina Panthers. It makes more sense to get him out of the conference. So Miami is a very interesting one. And in the short term, you do get a quarterback like Tua that can be the guy in the immediacy until you find your next franchise quarterback. So Miami is definitely an interesting destination. Last question for you here, Harry, before we get off of this. If you had to pick one of the quarterbacks, who's the guy that you would give up the most trade compensation for, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson?
2: Ooh, and I got to go with Russell Wilson. Okay. Uh, but Because he he's he's proven way more to me. Now, I understand right. Kyler is younger, but Russ, man, R- Russ, I've, I've been high on Russ for a very, very long time. I think he throws the best deep ball in the National Football League, too. All right,
0: there it is, coming from Harry Douglas right there. We want to hear from you on the candy calling line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. Which quarterback in the NFC West would you give up more trade compensation for, Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray? We'll get into that. And then coming up next, we'll hear from Rod Manford on the decision to cancel regular season games in baseball. But first, a word from eBay. When a part of your offense isn't firing on all cylinders, it shows. Kind of like the Cardinals in that playoff game against the Rams. Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. Well, whatever happens, the only solution is to replace the part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot of parts. That way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. Visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. More ESPN Radio after this. ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, let's go out to the Canny call in line and bring on Ernest in Brooklyn. Ernest, what up? How you doing, Chris?
4: I've uh this first time calling on this show, but I've uh, listened to you on other podcasts. One thing I want to say, first off, we have too many, there's too many games in baseball anyway. So I'm not even upset that they canceled the first couple of games, but what I'm appealing to, I'm a diehard Met fan, but I'm talking to you diehard baseball fans. Stop being suckers. There, if, if the billionaire, uh, owners and the millionaire players can't settle on dividing $30 billion. I'm telling you, I am not going to a baseball game. I will watch them on TV. I will go to Coney Island and watch the um, the minor league the, you know, that United States may have in Coney Island. This is how we have to make them understand that you are hurting us and now we hurt you because I have Nick fans that – same thing. They put a ugly product on the on the floor every year, and these Knicks fans will still keep going, won't say anything, and that's what Dolan likes. He's just going to keep doing whatever because he's making money. You going to keep buying tickets,
0: Ernest? We appreciate the call. And Harry, you, you, you're talking about a baseball fan that's hurt at the yeah. fact that the teams, the owners, the players don't seem to be considering them when it comes to these CBA negotiations.
2: Yeah, and I don't think he's going to be the only one that takes that approach. And that's one of the things we mean by baseball is going to take a major hit when it comes to fans uh, not being interested in the sport anymore and – they not, you're not going to see a lot of people go to these ballparks when baseball starts back up, but you're going to see them watching it on TV. But how much are they actually going to watch on TV now? Because we know they enjoy actually being there in person, smelling those hot dogs cooking, you know, getting your brew with your family. If you have a son, taking him to a ball game. If you have a daughter, she loves it. But that, it's going to be a major hit that baseball takes and one that we're not going to like because we are baseball fans as well. So we understand exactly where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, and we had Commissioner Rob Manford live on his press conference on our show. Take a listen to what he had to say about the cancellation of games opening up the season.
3: Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I had hoped against hope that I would not have to have this particular press conference um, in which I am going to cancel some regular season games. We worked hard to avoid an outcome that's bad for our fans bad for our players and bad for our clubs. I want to assure our fans that our failure to reach an agreement was not due to a lack of effort by either party. The players came here for nine days. They worked hard. They tried to make a deal and I appreciate their effort. Our committee of club representatives committed to the process. They offered compromise after compromise and hung in past the deadline to make sure that we exhausted every possibility of reaching an agreement before the cancellation of games. Harry, when I heard that statement, all it sounded like
0: to me was spin. Owners are always going to try to stick it to players because we know that billionaires believe that they can win over a few millionaires and a bunch of thousandaires, and most of the time they're right. But when it comes to the PA, usually – They put up a pretty good fight. And so we'll see where this ends up going. But the start of the baseball season is going to be delayed. They will not start on time on March 31st. So, Harry, with that being said, it's time for us to get back for some football.
1: Now we have Kyler Murray. He doesn't follow
0: the Cardinals anymore. If you are part of the Cardinals organization, what are you thinking right now? We've given this dude everything that he needed to be successful. If he has not been successful, that's a him problem. You're listening to Harry Douglas and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio. And, Harry, we had Diana Rossini on earlier in the show, and she had a lot to say about whether or not Kyler actually wants out of Arizona. Take a listen.
5: I think we could dissect the reasoning for this a lot of different ways. And, you know, perhaps maybe this is an avenue to get out. Maybe this is Kyler wanting to get out of Arizona. Mm. Um, I know he's got a fantastic relationship with the head coach. Um, you know, which I know many believe is a lame duck, but from what I can gather, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is – I think Arizona's committed to him, and I'm, I would not be surprised if his contract gets extended soon.
0: And, Harry, that prompted us to throw out the question to the listeners on the call-in line. If it came down to it, if the Arizona Cardinals were to entertain trader Kyler Murray, which quarterback in the NFC West would you trade more draft capital for? Would it be Kyler Murray? or would it be Russell Wilson? I know that a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it, and so we're going to get to the calls on the other side of the break along with 3 and Out. You're listening to Harry Douglas and Chris Canney on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas and Chris Canney on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Got to give a shout-out to the guests, That came through on the show today. ESPN MLB writer June Lee giving us the latest on what's going on with the CBA negotiations and the talks between the owners and the players breaking down. Also, ESPN MLB analyst Doug Glanville giving us the players' perspective on what happened in these negotiations. And we can't forget ESPN NFL analyst Diana Rossini coming in with that heat about Kyler Murray. If you missed any of it, Go to the ESPN Radio Podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. But HD, we have now reached a portion of our show where it's time for us to go three and out.
3: Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best.
0: best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is... Three and Out. And Harry, usually in three and out, we go with these stories in and around sports on the periphery, but we got to lock in on what's happening out there in the desert with Kyler Murray, and we got some callers on the candy calling line that got something to say, and so we got to pay that off, we got to get out to them, and we're going to start out in the desert with Rob. Rob from Arizona, you're on ESPN Radio, what's up?
6: Hey, man, thank you so much, you guys, bro. The thing that's terrible about this, you know, I listen to you guys a lot, and big Arizona Cardinals fan, man, and to have this drama, nonsense, like Kyler called it, um, it kind of shows who he is, man. The kid is super, super talented. We see it every every game almost. Um, but, man, I, I've been telling all my buddies, you know, they were 10-2, and two, and just like last year, it kind of seems like he has the yips, man. And, and the only way I can associate that, I mean, you know, is sometimes – you think you're so good or maybe you are so good that you don't have to be humble and work. And man, I I get that vibe from him and and I I hope I'm wrong. And the whole question about Russell Wilson or him, dude, it's Russell Wilson, you know who you would trade for. I mean, he, he's that dude. I've seen him up close and personal, you know, killing us and just brutal, man. I, I hope they can figure it out. But if he doesn't have it right in his head, it doesn't matter how much talent you have if you're not humble and you can't rally people. I think if you're quarterback, man, it's just, it's just brutal. We got to talk about this, you know, because uh, we were 10-2 at one point, man, with a good team. So I, I don't know, man.
0: Rob, I want to ask you this because you sound like you're a Cardinals fan. If it comes down to paying Kyler Murray his money this offseason or trading Kyler Murray, which side do you come
6: down on? I mean, brother, I, I this I am a long-suffering Cardinals fan. <laughs> and when you get a talent with like with the number one pick and the kid is so good but dude i'm gonna be honest i i love him but there are things where he he is small let's just call it like it is and i i honestly you guys when i watch him he can't throw it down the field like in the middle of the field he has an amazing ball but there are times where he literally can't throw it over dudes um I would keep him, but honestly, man, I think I was listening to Diana Racine. I think she may be right, you guys, and I think the whole baseball thing nobody's talking about. When you got millions and millions and millions of dollars in your pocket and you could still be a star, you know, that's that not too many people, if any, have had that except Dion, you know, a few other people. And I just think this kid, man, if he's not humble, I'm worried that within the next month, you know, he's gonna he's gonna just shut us out. Well, Rob, we appreciate the call. We
0: appreciate your perspective too. And Harry, you heard it in his voice, man. This is yep. this is a heartbroken broken Arizona Cardinals fan because the prospects of his quarterback potentially leaving the team, whether he's going to be traded or whether he try, decides to go play baseball, like he can't fathom that his quarterback is that his quarterback could potentially be gone after three seasons being the number one overall pick.
2: Yeah, and I can understand where he's coming from, man. And when you look at a guy like Russell Wilson, you're never going to have to worry about that leadership. You're never going to have to worry about the body language, right, and the energy that he gives off because it's going to always be positive. Russ is going to do everything in his power to make sure his teammates uh, are intact and he's intact with them as well.
0: But, Harry, one of the things that we always talk about with Kyler Murray is body language. I wonder why we don't have that same conversation with Aaron Rodgers because he gives off very similar vibes when it comes to being disgruntled, trying to dictate to the organization, and having bad body language. I guess it comes down to the production but it's something for folks to think about when it when we have these conversations about the intangibles at the quarterback position. And we got to try to make sure that we call it down the middle when it comes to how we view these guys and all the other things that, that are around them in the periphery when it comes to the baggage that they're bringing to the table. Let's go out to David on the candy calling line. David in Florida, you're on ESPN Radio. What's up? Yeah, I I think my perspective
5: comes from somebody who grew up in Indianapolis and I live in South Florida, and I think the Murray versus Wilson argument, not necessarily the right argument, depends on the base that you're working from. So, for example, the Indianapolis Colts have spent a lot of money on an offensive line. They have some stability in coaching, and you can take a risk on somebody like Murray being better than Carson Wentz. I mean, he can get you over the hump to maybe win some Super Bowls and invest in maybe – winning more than one Super Bowl if he pans out. Somebody like the Dolphins that does not have stability in coaching, although they probably should, uh, they need to probably pick a Russell Wilson that can come in to have stability somewhere because the second-best place to have stability is in a quarterback, and you can build around him, and it's a team on the cusp of the playoffs, and he will not only take you over the top, but he might be – Uh, the experience that you need to compete and compete in the long run.
0: David, I love your premise. I hate your argument. If you're Russell Wilson and it's about enhancing your legacy and competing for titles, why would you want to go to a dysfunctional organization like the Miami Dolphins? That's the only question I would have. Like, Harry, I don't know about you, but if I'm Russell Wilson and I got a choice between the Indianapolis Colts and the Miami Dolphins, I'm I'm probably going to choose the Indianapolis Colts. You're talking about a team that has had four different starting quarterbacks the last four years. In three of those four seasons, they've had winning records. I, I, I can't say that Frank, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard got it all figured out, but they know how to put together a damn good football team, and it seems like both of those guys are always on the same page.
2: Yeah, and one thing we know Russell Wilson will have is something that he hasn't had his entire career, that's protection from the offensive line. Russell Wilson has been one of the most sacked quarterbacks since he's entered the NFL in 2012. He's been sacked 427 times throughout his career. So it would be the first time he actually has stability in that area of the offense.
0: All right, rounded out three and out. The last caller on the Canty calling line is Chris in Dallas. Chris, what you got?
4: Hey, how you doing, Chris and Harry? How y'all doing?
0: Doing pretty good, man. What's up? What's your take?
4: Hey. So my take is, it's is really no debate. It's really no argument. It's definitely Russell Wilson, um, and, and it's pretty much based on everything Harry Douglas said, the great points that he made about Russell Wilson. He is one of the best deep ball throwers in the National Football League. He has the veteran presence. He's a leader. Um, he's been to a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won two NFC Championship games. Any team, I won't say anything, but if he does go to the Colts, he definitely makes them an instant contender. The thing with Colin Murray, Colin Murray is good. He's not great. If you pay Colin Murray, if you trade Colin Murray, that's not going to make him any taller than what he is. <laughs> like the last caller said, he's still going to, you know, deal with, you know, struggling, trying to pass over the offensive line and what have you. But right now, Colin Murray right now is the fourth best wide receiver, I'm not wide receiver, fourth best quarterback in the NFC West.
0: Wow, that's a hot take. Fourth best quarterback behind Jimmy G, Matt Stafford, and Russell Wilson. I don't know if I agree with that one, but I will say this. If you're trading for Kyler Murray, you got a lot more runway to try to win a championship because that guy is 24 years old and Russell Wilson is 33. Harry, I'm not saying, I'm just saying.
2: Well, the height thing, I I understand where he's coming from because Keyshawn Johnson says that all the time. He doesn't want no little mighty Miles throwing him the football.
0: Well, I mean, listen, Russell Wilson ain't exactly, uh, uh, you know, you know, David from David and the Goliath. He's not a huge <laughs> guy either. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's just a matter of what your flavor is. But Russell Wilson is a proven winner. So I get why people will want to lean that way. But if you're listening to ESPN radio, you need to lean the way of Spain and fits there up next. This is Harry Douglas, Chris Canny, ESPN radio.